Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Adrian Rogers once said, It is better to be hated for telling the truth than loved for telling a lie. Not that I want to be hated, but it is better telling you the truth as opposed to telling you something you want to hear. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I would ask you to consider the following. First, would you please like and share this podcast so others may benefit as well? Secondly, prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor of this podcast. Your support to The Truth Must Be Told will allow me not only to keep making podcasts and maintaining the website, but your support will also make it possible to level up this program to new platforms so that the Word of God can go forward and reach as many people as possible. You can make your gifts to paypal.me slash salvatorepassos. And if you listen to the show on anchor.fm, you can click the support button. You can also listen on iHeartRadio and view the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for your support, and please keep listening to The Truth Must Be Told. Hello. I hope everybody is well today. We are in Holy Week, as it's known. Now, what do you know, what do you really know about Easter? Well, put on your Easter bonnet, get out the peeps and the chocolate rabbits, get them ready, because we'll be discussing Easter today on The Truth Must Be Told. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'll be a nice change of pace. When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Yes, 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 and thank you, thank you to all my fans out there. Especially the ones on the ceilings, I have ceiling fans. (laughs) Hello everybody, how's everybody doing today? Well, Easter Sunday is coming this week. Now, the secular world looks at Easter as a time to meet with family, go to church, tell the kids about the Easter bunny, dye eggs, hide them, and let the kids try to find them. The day marks the start of spring, new beginnings in nature, and overall, just a start of something new. All right? New beginnings. Now, it is true that the word Easter has pagan origins. Yeah, unfortunately, sorry, Christians, it does. Uh, It is assumed that the name Easter comes from a pagan figure called Estre or Ostre, who was a goddess of spring worshipped by the Saxons of northern Europe. She was the goddess of the east and where the sun rises, and her symbol was a hare or a rabbit. And that kind of makes sense, right? That's kind of falling in. You see where we're going. So, the Saxons held a a festival during the spring equinox in her honor called Estre, E-A-S-T-R-E. This is all speculation, though. Because there's no hard evidence that such a goddess and whatever, whoever worshipped her, uh, was ever worshipped by anyone, there's no proof. There's no shrines, altars, or writings that point to Estre. There is some, there is uh, to be much, there seems to be much speculation on the word of Easter. Some think Easter is an English spelling of the word Astate, a consort of Baal, the sun god. And of course, we know Baal worship was, forget, was forbidden in the Bible. So, 
I am not too sure. Again, it's just speculation. So there's no, there's no hardcore evidence. This is just uh, people's assumptions, tales told down through history. So there's no real hard evidence that this is true. But we might as well have, the day might as well have been, have pagan origins, okay? Easter is completely commercialized. As people put their focus on Easter eggs, candy, and the Easter bunny. Christians, however, celebrate Easter as the resurrection of Christ on the third day after his crucifixion. It is the oldest Christian holiday and the most important day of the year for the church because of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Now lately, I have been seeing many posts on social media stating that the holiday is pagan and there is no way that Christians should follow it or adhere to its traditions because of what we discussed earlier, that it has these backgrounds of uh, different... uh, secular gods and worshiping of Baal and, and how that's forbidden in the Bible, etc., etc., ad, ad infinitum, ad nauseum. So, should we celebrate Easter? Should we allow our children to go on egg hunts? Mm-hmm. Well, church leaders and parents have struggled with this question for a long time. And, uh, we want to uh, we want to um, discuss some of this today. Now, uh, so what should we do as Christians about this controversy? Well, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start reading uh, from Romans chapter 14, and I think that will be our starting point. All right. Now, this is going to be a lengthy chapter, a lengthy read, so please bear with me. Okay. Uh, starting in uh, chapter, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 says, Accept, accept the one whose faith is weak without qual- qual- quarreling excuse me, over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge, judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so unto the Lord, and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, Surely as I live, says the Lord, 
Every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded, that the Lord Jesus, uh, excuse me, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean unto itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then to him it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone who, for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned because they eat, because if they eat, because they are eating, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. That's a long chapter. But it all boils down to this, all right? Paul is stating here that one person holds any a specific day holy or a food that's good or bad or whatever. And he says that we should not condemn another because of what they believe before God. And he says, through Jesus, nothing is unclean unto itself. But if one person regards something as unclean, for that person it is unclean. We all belong to the Lord. If you choose not to celebrate Easter, then that's your choice. It's not for me or anyone else on the Internet or in social media to condemn you for it. If you want to celebrate Easter, then do so without guilt. But what about the rabbits, Sal? Tell me about the rabbits. All right. Again, it is a matter of conscience. If you have no trouble with allowing your kids to go on Easter egg hunts, Go right ahead. Now, whether it is good or bad, it's between you and the Lord. This is what Paul was talking about. Excuse me. I'm sorry. So, um, this is the problem I see in the church today. We have a bunch of people on one side of an issue. Now, that could be whether Easter is a day we should celebrate or not, or should we speak in tongues or not? Okay, you got two sides of a thing, all, you know, emanating from Scripture, but you've got one side that says be, uh, you have to be baptized to go to heaven, and another side, no, you don't. You have to speak in tongues, or you don't have to speak in tongues. Now, for those of you, I want to say something here, I want to interject. This is not in my notes, so somebody here needs to hear this. Just because your brother or sister does not speak in tongues doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. Okay, because there are some out there who believe that unless you speak in tongues, you're not going to heaven. And that is absolutely false. All right. I'll tell you that right now. 
All right. So you've got the baptism crew, the tongues crew, the um, let's get really holy and, and wipe away all things of a secular nature and let's not celebrate Easter because that's a, it's a dirty word regarding a, a, a pagan god. Look, let's just wake up, okay? Let's wake up to a little reality here. If I were to go to a vegetarian's house for dinner, not that I know many vegetarians, but if I do, and their sincere belief is that they don't believe in eating meat, and they put down something before me, I'm going to eat it. I'm not going to insult them. I will eat it. All right? I don't expect them to come to my house and I'll plop a T-bone steak in front of them and expect them to eat that. That would be wrong of me to do. I would have to inform them, look, you're coming to my place. I'm going to be having steak. I'll make something for you. I'll bring some, you know, excuse me, tofu or whatever it is that you guys are into or I'll make eggs or whatever. depends on what level of vegetarian they are because I don't want to insult you. It was the same in Paul's day because some people believed that they shouldn't eat meat sacrificed to idols. If you go to a, to a house and you're eating meat and it's fine and nobody tells you it was sacrificed to an idol and you don't eat it, if they tell you it was, then you're obli- obliged to not do it. However, what he's saying here is that to accept people for what they believe. There's going to be, in, in, other words, in, in a way, he was laying down the early foundations of what was going to go on in the church. Because look at, look at what was happening in, in the uh, early church. Oh, we also had the circumcision, non-circumcision group. We had the ones that were preaching, you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And another group that said, no, you don't. In fact, Peter was on the no, you don't side until he switched with the people who said, yeah, he came under pressure. The people said, yeah, you have to. And he flip-flopped on the issue. And Paul had to rebuke him to his face. Okay, and he, Paul talks about that. He says, I withstood him to his face, for he was wrong. So, because of what he was doing. We need to just accept things, okay? Now, if you want it, now, do I, did I teach my kids about the Easter Bunny? I just told them it was part of Easter. It's a mythical thing, like Santa Claus was a mythical thing. It's no big deal. I don't believe an Easter Bunny comes hopping along and lays the eggs outside or whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, other than that of Bugs Bunny, happy Easter Bunny, hooray. No, you know, I, I just, that, I, you know, it's just, it's just totally, I, I don't care. Okay. I don't care because it's not going to condemn me in the sight of God, because what am I doing? I'm worshiping God on Easter, not the Easter eggs, not the Easter bunny. I am worshiping God. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to explore the true meaning of Easter. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Excuse me. Yeah, for you, the a minute or two has gone by while the commercials were out there. You listening to the podcast, for those of you watching on video, you saw me took a quick swig of uh, iced tea here <laughs> because that's just the way it is. But thank you. We're back from the break, and I'm uh, I'm glad we're here. And 
And uh, thank you again for tuning in. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I just want to remind you, please consider hitting that support button to help keep the truth must be told on the air and reaching around the world with the truth of God's word. As you know, we are out there. We're getting out all over the world. I cannot believe it at times. I look at the I look at the matrix matrices from the uh, websites and from the, uh, the the places that this is the podcast is going out to, and I am absolutely perplexed. And hello to everyone out there all over the world who listens to this podcast. I'm very excited. Please let me hear from you. Drop me a line. Uh, go to my website, thetruthmustbetold.org, and you can. Uh, it has a place to make contact with me in there. You can type in just saying hi, Sal from. Wales, just saying hi from um, Panama. We've got people all over the place, folks. I can't believe some of the places. They even got somebody in Russia, the uh, Arab Emirates. Really, just just get on the website there and just say hi. I'm not going to put your name on the air. You don't have to give me your name if you don't want to. Just say, listening, thank you, God bless you. And if you want to support, it'll tell you how when you go to the website. Anyway, so what is the true meaning of Easter? Well, believe it or not, the early church didn't celebrate Easter per se. They celebrated Passover because most of them were, were Jewish believers. The Gentiles were brought in, okay? So Passover was the thing that they celebrated. And, and there seems to be, um, well, let me get back to that. But the uh, what I understand is that uh, Passover did not happen on any particular day of the week. It could have fell on a Wednesday. It could have fell on a Tuesday or a Sunday. But if it happened to fall on a day that was the same as the uh, the Sabbath, so that was a you know there was like a two part thing that they did there. But mostly it took place on the night of the Paschal full moon. That's after the fourteenth of the month of Nisan. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. They just Nisan uh, in the Jewish calendar. All right. Now that's the story of the Exodus to remember the night that God passed over the houses of, his, of the Israelites during the 10th plague in Egypt. All right, so that's so it's a very specific time. And there's a lot of controversy, too. I want to get into this before I go into this next part, as to a lot of people say, well, if Jesus was killed on a Friday and uh, he was in the grave on Saturday and then he rose on Sunday, that's not three days. You know, technically you're right. But then there's there's some some indication in Scripture that the Last Supper was not really the Passover meal. It was a meal bef- the day before Passover, so it would have been on the uh, the evening before the Passover. And he wanted to get together with his people. He did a Seder meal. Uh, in other words, he was telling them every single bit of what was happening, why during the Seder meal that you do this. He said, this is the bread that's broken. And... This is my body. This represents my body. This wine that we drink represents my blood. It didn't turn into the body of Christ. Sorry, Catholic friends. All right, I love you guys. I was a Catholic myself. But transubstantiation was not what happened that day. Jesus did not say, this this loaf of bread here is now my body, and you're going to eat it. Some sort of sick cannibalism. No had nothing to do with that. It was a symbolic thing. He was teaching them about the Seder meal, okay? Now, if he was uh, if the Seder meal happened on a Tuesday, 
because uh, Passover was on a uh, – uh, if that was a Tuesday night going into Wednesday morning, Wednesday when he saw Pilate uh, was crucified on a Wednesday, okay, uh, let's say, and the Seder, the Passover was hitting on Thursday, that's he had to take his body down. Now, he died on a Wednesday, Thursday, and, it, you know, so that would uh, that would kind of – fill in the three days there but again this is all speculation and i really don't want to get into that part of it but i'm just telling you there are reasons why don't worry about it he was in the in the ground for three days okay it was part of prophecy he had to be there so all right now the passover lamb i want to get back to that or the paschal paschal lamb was sacrificed on passover and it had to be a male lamb without blemish it had to be perfect this was a foreshadow of jesus see he was without sin he was a male obviously and he was sacrificed not for the sins of one person or a family but for the whole world now we see this when john the baptist states at jesus's arrival at at the jordan said look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the sins of the world that's in john 129 Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Boom. Done. That explains a lot. You see, Jesus came to be sacrificed. It was his sole purpose on this earth. At the appointed time, he would suffer and die for the whole world or the cosmos. Remember we did that study on the word world? You know, for God so loved the cosmos, the universe, everything existing that he gave his only son so this is the same word all right he took the burden of sin from everyone who would accept him now god told us because god told us that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin uh hebrews 9:22 says in fact the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood now, Hebrews 9 is talking about the law and the sacrifice that was needed to be needed to be made and how the priests would come and they would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. They would collect the blood. They would offer the sacrifice and that would offer a forgiveness or a cleansing of sin at that point. It was basically a covering and I'll cover that in a little bit. All right, but without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So no matter how good a person was back there in the Old Testament, There was always sin that needed to be dealt with. Now, Jesus entered the most holy place once for everyone by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. All right. Now, everything that happened, and it says that the uh, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about a lot about the um, the uh, shadowing of things in the Old Testament that are shadows of the new. In fact, we have a little phrase that the new in the old concealed. The old in the new revealed, talking about the two testaments. Okay, so in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed in there, if you look. In the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed, so that all of that shadows and foretypes that were there, okay, it was a human representation or an earthly representation of the throne room of God himself. So when Jesus walked this earth, he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. All right? That's what he said to do. Um, Let me just jump over to Hebrews 10. 
chapter 11. I love the book of Hebrews, by the way. It's one of my favorite books. If you start looking through this, you, you really get you really get like, whoa, really? He said that? <laughs> Is that what that means? All right, so here on Hebrews 10, 11 says this. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Can never take it away. But when this priest had offered for all time, talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Your, your holiness is a ongoing process. Doesn't happen overnight. Doesn't happen with the one, you know, conversion. And all of a sudden, I'm holy. No, it takes time. It's a growth thing. But it says here that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself once. Once. All right, and then again, Catholic friends, I'm sorry, but when you follow the transubstantiation and you take your take your host and the, the priest actually somehow magically changes the wine and the, 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 the host into the actual body and blood of Christ. So now Christ is having to be sacrificed over and over and over and over again, and that's not what the Scripture says. Scripture says he's died once for all, done. He does not have to be sacrificed over and over and over again, like the lambs and the bulls. And all of these things that were done in the Old Testament, he did not have to be sacrificed. It was once for all done. All right, sorry, that's the truth. And I know, I'm saying the truth even though it hurts. Love you guys. I was raised in the Catholic Church, so please don't write me letters and say, why? No, I love you guys. And you guys know that, you know, I'm not saying that that uh, that you shouldn't go to your Catholic Church. I'm just saying pay attention to what's happening. And listen and read the Word of God for yourself. Okay? All right. All right, so um, the disciples didn't see this, that, that Christ was the Messiah. He did, they didn't see that. They were, they were close to him. And uh, even Peter acknowledged him and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But for somehow, it just things just didn't stick. Now, um, Christ suffered, died, was buried, and rose again, triumphing over, triumphing, triumphing, triumphing over death. He defeated death. He conquered death by rising. When he arose, he presented himself to the Father, sprinkled his blood on the uh, to cleanse away all sins on the mercy seat in heaven. Now, all the priests could do with the sacrifices here on earth were merely to cover up the sin, but Jesus' blood took it away. It wiped it clean. So when God looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Christ and says, that is my child. And this is why we celebrate Easter or Resurrection Sunday. To remember the sacrifice that without the shedding of blood, in verse 9, that Jesus made for our redemption, okay? Jesus sacrificed his blood, his life for us, so that we can come 
into the presence of God. This perfect man God, for that's what he was. He was 100% God, 100% man, but the scripture says he emptied himself of his power to become like us. So when the time was taken for him to be killed, Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver to the high priest, and they came with an army to arrest him. And we're going to go into the events of the arrest on a later podcast because some spectacular things took place even then, and the everybody was just dumbfounded as if they didn't even realize what was happening, but we'll come back to that. So he was brought before Pilate, then he went to Herod, then he came back to Pilate, and the crowd cheered for Pilate to put Jesus to death. Now, Pilate, in an attempt to placate the crowd, had Jesus flogged. Now, before the flogging, the soldiers beat him severely. They pulled out his beard by the fistfuls, they punched him, they blindfolded him, they hit him, and said, prophesy, who hit you? Okay? And they brought him out to be flogged. Now, when the Romans flogged someone before an execution, it was to quicken the death. So they kind of figured he's going to be heading towards death. He didn't, they, I don't think they realized that, you know, Pilate, was, Pilate may still let this guy go, but we're going to beat him. Uh, and so it was their chance to just let go on him. So, so, when they, um, so according to history, they secured Jesus to what is called a scourging post or a pillar. It's a long, tall pillar, and they would tie your arms onto, the, onto these things usually with rings or tie it around so you couldn't move. And then they brought out what is called a flagrum. Now, this was a whip with a short handle, and it had two or three very long, very thick tongs on it. And each one was weighted down with either a piece of lead or a couple of pieces of lead tied together or, a, or some mutton bone, some bone of some sort. And some even say that the tongs were lined with broken pottery or bone as well, which would have made it worse. So a soldier would bring that whip down, whistling on Jesus' back, and the lead ball and bone would bruise, bruise and or cut into his skin. And then when they would twist and pull that away, it caused the ripping of the skin. Now it is not known how many times Jesus was hit. The Jews followed the law and stopped at 39 stripes. However, this was the Romans doing this, and it is estimated that Jesus may have taken anywhere up to or over 100 stripes and hit with that flog. Afterwards, they let him down and placed a crown of thorns on his head. They beat it down with rods. Now beaten nearly to death in agonizing pain, Jesus is brought before Pilate again. Pilate tells him, speak to me. Don't you realize I have power to either free you or crucify you? Jesus said, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You know, Pilate was scared of him. And wanted to let him go. He wanted to let Jesus go. He didn't want to have anything to do with this man. But he folded under political pressure. Now, isn't that the way we see today? How many of our politicians who want to stand for something good will fold under political pressure? And this is what happened with Jesus. He folded, uh, Pilate folded under political pressure and he handed him over for crucifixion. Now, there are varied camps as to what the cross looks like. The traditional cross that we know and we visualize as a capital T, or it's shaped in a capital T or a small t. There's another camp that the cross was an X. You know, I lean to the use of what is known as the crux emissia. It contains two parts, a vertical stake that goes straight up and down that was planted into the ground and 
a horizontal cross beam called a patibula, patibulum. The patibulum was the cross beam, and the condemned would carry that patibulum to the place of execution. Then they would put the patibulum on the ground, they'd nail the hands to the patibulum, and it would be hoisted up and attached, either slid onto or attached to the upright stake. And then the feet would either be put together and nailed or nailed separately, and this would eventually look like a T, which what we, what we see. Now, they say that crucifixion is probably one of the most painful ways to die. Now, the Greeks crucified people, but they didn't, it wasn't unto death. They did it as a form of punishment, and they would pull people down. Excuse me. <clears throat> and um, the Romans, however, this was their form of execution. And they were experts at this. They were experts. They crucified thousands of people. This was not something new. It's something that they did on a regular basis. And... When your arms are extended out to your sides and be, you're being held up by the weight of your arms, it puts tremendous pressure, tremendous pressure on, your, on your diaphragm because it holds it in. And actually people who hang on a cross, they actually drown because eventually they can't expel enough air, they get too weak, and they actually will drown from their own fluids in their lungs as the fluid builds up from the swelling and the beating and everything else. And the circulation can't get up to the arms, and it, you know, it flows back down. It's just a mess. All right, so Jesus is hung on this cross, and he tries to gasp for air, and he can't. You know, he has to push up his weight on the nail in his foot or the nails in his feet. It depends on how, how you look at it. But he has to put pressure on that wound in his feet and push himself up and gasp for air. <sighs> and it's during those times that he gasped for air that he said things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah. You know, when he said that, he was looking right down through history. He was looking right at me, and right at you, and right at everybody who would accept him. He would push up and grasp for air and tell the thief on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Mother, behold your son. John, behold your mother. And say things like, I thirst. And each time he did it, now remember, his back was beaten severely. And this was not beautifully formed wood. This was crude wood, and he would have to push himself up and tear open all the wounds on his back again. But during one of that times, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake Jesus on the cross? Because at that moment in time, all sin was laid on to Jesus he was now taking on every sin that had been committed, that was committed during the day, past, present, and future. Your sins, mine too, he took them on the cross. 
the sky darkened, thunderbolts, earthquakes, all kinds of things was, were happening. And finally, Jesus said, it is finished. And he died. And when he did, lots of things happened. A massive earthquake struck. People who were dead rose from the graves, walked into the city of Jerusalem. But the most significant part was that the veil of the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Now remember, the holy place was where the priests did their, their duties. That's where you would come in with your sacrifice. The priest would sacrifice the lamb. Then they would sprinkle it on the, the altars out there. But only once a year, only one man was allowed to go in to the Holy of Holies, to the most holy place. That was restricted once a year. The high priest, once a year, can go into that Holy of Holies and sprinkle blood in there for the forgive, for, to, for, to cover the sins of the people. But that was just once a year. And no one was allowed behind that curtain. It was the Holy of Holies and the Most Holy was separated by this curtain. So the Bible says 12 yoke of oxen couldn't pull it apart. It was that strong, braided with gold and all this stuff. Well, when Jesus said it is finished, like two big hands took that, that uh, curtain and tore it in half, like they ripped it right down the middle. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice now made it that whosoever will can come before the throne of God. That's amazing. That is amazing. He opened the door. The veil of the temple was torn in half so that we can have eternal life with him. He took that beating because scripture says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. He bore our sins on the cross. Our redemption was bore on the cross. He was beaten. I mean, think about being hit with that flagrum. The flagrum, sorry. Ripping of skin, muscle tissue beating it down to raw hamburger meat. In fact, the Bible says he was so so marred, we didn't even recognize him as a man. And then having to bear that cross up the hill to Calvary. Now, I've never been there, but I hear it's a pretty steep road. The Via Dolorosa, the Way of Sorrows. And he had to walk up there carrying that cross, and he couldn't carry it. He stumbled. Three times he stumbled. And uh, a man came out and uh, carried that cross for him. And tradition has it that was a black man who bore Jesus' cross up the hill for him. Well... Why do we why do we say that you know we this is why we celebrate 
because God gave his son and sacrificed his son so that you can be with him. You could pass from this life into eternal life, not be condemned because Christ has made a way. This is what I keep talking about. All right. Why did this have to be done? Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's written that there is none righteous. No, not one. Not one person is righteous. Because no one understands and no one seeks after God. And the wages of sin is death. Not physical death. That's, it's, it's eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' death paid the price for our sins. This is why we celebrate Easter and Passover. We remember that Jesus Christ shed his precious blood on the cross so that we could be forgiven. When he died on that cross, he took the burden of our sins and opened the way for us to enter into eternal life with him. And by rising from the dead, he conquered death. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. Corruption couldn't get put on him. And yet he rose. So if you're not sure that you're saved, now this Easter would be a perfect time to come to the Lord, recognizing that his sacrifice meant so much. If you're not sure that you're saved or you want to be, please contact me through my website, thetruthmustbetold.org. I will do what I can to show you what you must do. All right? I want you to know that. It's very simple. You only have to say something like, God, I know I've sinned against you, and I'm deserving of punishment. But Jesus Christ took that punishment I so deserved, and that through faith in him I could be forgiven. With your help, I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. Amen. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's very simple. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being here. I am... Not sure whether we'll be having a show on Thursday and Saturday. I'm going to do my best. Um, with the Easter holiday coming up, I'm not sure. It shouldn't, shouldn't make too much of a difference. I'm going to try to be here because I may want to expound on this a little bit more. But in the meantime, I just want to say to you all that I love you. Thank you for tuning in to The Truth Must Be Told. I want you to walk with God, be a blessing to others, and um, go to the website, thetruthmustbetold.org, and again, hit that sponsor button uh, from um, anchor.fm, which is on there. You'll find the link. Support this ministry so we can get the gospel out. And uh, I just want to thank you. 
your beautiful, beautiful family. And I'm hearing really good things of what's happening. So uh, I just want to say God bless. And we'll see you next time on The Truth Must Be Told. Take care.